Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome to today's program. You may wonder what kind of questions you need to ask when you're filing for that Social Security, whether it's retirement or maybe you've got to file a claim for disability. But we're going to try to shed some light on your questions today from retirement to disability to how do you replace a Social Security card if it's been lost or you're trying to get your child a Social Security card. Social Security can be confusing. So whether you're already retired or just planning for retirement, well, today, Kurt Zernowski, our special guest, who is the expert when it comes to Social Security, is here with your questions, your answers. Well, you just don't want to miss it. Bottom line. Remember the parable of the Good Samaritan found in Luke chapter 10 of the Bible? We all have a choice in life. We can either walk by the problem or, you know, just not get involved or just say, I'm too busy or it doesn't fit my schedule. Or... We can decide to step into the problem and be a part of the solution like the Good Samaritan did as the Lord was sharing that parable in Luke chapter 10. It's our choice. Well, Ben Taylor is here, and he's from Bellevue Baptist Church, and he's going to talk with us about an event that has been going on for over 10 years in our great city. It's called Bellevue Loves Memphis. Ben has been our guest multiple times, and today... You're going to find out how you can be a part of loving Memphis like it matters, getting involved and not pass by on the other side. Well, across the country, hallways and classrooms are full of activity as students head back to school. We should have an applause here. I know there's a lot of people excited about that for the 2019 and 20 academic year. I talked to a mom and a dad yesterday, and they were dropping off their daughter, who's a freshman, after they had visited Walmart for supplies and did all the things that freshmen have to do. The parents actually admitted they cried all the way home. I've been there, done that, know what that means. Well, each year, the National Center of Education Statistics, they compile some back-to-school facts and figures that give us a snapshot of what our schools and colleges look like for the coming year. Here it is. 19.9 million students are going to college or universities in the fall of 2019. 11.3 million females and 8.6 million male. Boy, we could really talk about that. We could get into that program all day long. You might be surprised to know that that number of 19.9 is expected to be down by 5% since the peak of 21 million in the fall of 2010. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com to find today's program on podcast or past programs. Go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Coming up, 
What's the best age to claim Social Security benefits? Do you need to pay taxes when you're getting Social Security? These are just a few of your questions that Kurt Sarnowski will answer. Also, Ben Taylor of Bellevue Baptist Church. Love Memphis like it matters. Don't walk by on the other side. How can you get involved? I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Kurt Zarnowski, Zarnowski Consulting, Ben Taylor, or Bellevue Loves Memphis. The views and opinions expressed are those of Kurt Zarnowski and Ben Taylor only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, we're privileged to have a special guest who is always great. He has built a fan club here in Memphis and Shelby County, the West Tennessee section of, of our great state, Arkansas and Mississippi. And it's amazing because now we're going to be able to post this guy and his family's web on our webpage, a beautiful picture of his family. Kurt, welcome to the program, sir. Jim, great to be back with you. Happy summer to everyone. Happy summer. It's warm and hot down here. I hope it's nice up where you are in the up in the east part of our country. Yeah, um, beautiful day. Beautiful day. Great. Well, let me ask you this. You do have a beautiful family. Does your wife take 100% credit for that? I mean, she should. No, she takes 120% <laughs> It's great. Well, I just want to remind everybody, if you would like to see the Kurt Zarnowski and his family, uh, just go to the webpage at Shoemaker Financial or the webpage at KWAM, and you can admire a very well, a very nice-looking family. I just want to compliment you, sir. Very nice-looking family. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we've got questions, and we always come back with these questions that people, and we've been working on a couple of things here, and we've got some things that people are just kind of sending to us, and we're just kind of going through the process, and just a lot of things that we collect over the three months or two months that we haven't talked to you. And the first one that we have is one that I think is so critical, kind of a nice question. It says, what's the difference between Social Security benefits and supplemental security income payments? Is it possible to receive both? I think it's a good question. Well, I think it's a great question. You know, Jim, most of the time that I'm on, we're focusing on the retirement aspects of the Social Security program, but I think today we'll focus more on the disability program, which is really important. You know, talk to younger folks, and I'm sure you do too, and the question always comes up, well, is Social Security going to be there for me in the future? And I say, absolutely, you can count on it being there. But then I try and remind folks, you should remember that It's there for you today because Social Security is more than just a retirement program. There are very important disability benefits that are available to workers and their families. There are important survivor and insurance-type benefits that are available to to workers and their families. Social Security numbers say that of today's 20-year-olds entering the workforce, one in four can expect to become disabled prior to reaching his or her full retirement age of 67, and one in nine will probably die before hitting that full retirement age of 67. And so because of those statistics, it's really important to also educate people about the survivor benefits and the disability benefits that are part and parcel of the Social Security program. These days, about 8.5 million folks receive a monthly Social Security disability benefit. Why? Because they've worked and paid into the Social Security program at some point in the past. And now, are suffering some type of medical condition which is so severe that it prevents them from working. Now, 
The question asks about the difference between Social Security disability benefits and Supplemental Security income payments, and that's an important consideration. The Social Security Disability Insurance Program, SSDI as it's sometimes referred to, created back in 1956, and it is part and parcel of the basic Social Security Family Programs Retirement Survivor and Disability, where you qualify because you have worked and paid into the system. You paid that Social Security payroll tax. The Supplemental Security Income, or SSI program, was created in 1972 and designed by Congress to bring under federal umbrella what had been separate state programs of old age assistance, aid to the blind, and aid to the permanently and totally disabled. The SSI program, while it is run by the Social Security Administration, it's fundamentally different from the Social Security Disability Insurance Program because with Social Security, as we mentioned, you need to have worked and paid into the program. With SSI, though, you qualify for monthly SSI cash payments if you're over the age of 65 or legally blind or disabled and you have limited income and limited assets. The SSI program, it's a means-tested, needs-based program. Now, it is possible for somebody to collect under both programs. The disability medical definition, it's the same for both, that you're going to qualify if you've got this medical condition so severe prevents you from working. But with the SSI program, you need to have that medical condition and limited income and limited assets. With Social Security, again, there's no means-tested aspects of it. The only thing that impacts somebody's ability to collect Social Security payments is if they happen to receive workers' compensation. But with Social Security disability, you can have a million dollars in the bank and still receive monthly benefits. But with the SSI program, as I said, it's a means-tested, needs-based program. Fundamental difference, too, is that the Social Security Disability Insurance Program is funded out of payroll taxes. As listeners know, you work and pay into the Social Security Program. You're paying Social Security payroll taxes. Those taxes are used to pay the benefits. The SSI program funded entirely out of general revenues, and Social Security taxes not used to fund the SSI program. So, so there are a bunch of areas there. It's a similar, but they're Areas where they're fundamentally different, but they do come together, and both programs are administered by the Social Security Administration, and you get benefits and services through your local Social Security office. If you just tuned in, my guest, Kurt Zornowski of Zornowski Consulting, he does a, a re- frequently with us a program about Social Security today. As he said earlier, we are kind of focused on the Social Security when it looks at the disability side. Most of the time we talk about retirement. But, Kurt, I appreciate the fact now you talk about means tested and then Social Security, it's just if you qualify. But is there is there a thought about can you be permanently disabled? I mean, let's just go. Well, let me just tell you this case. We have a 26-year-old male. He was in an automobile accident. He has um, lost the use of his legs. He will be confined to a wheelchair, spinal injury for the rest of his life, outside of a miracle. Now, can he be classified as permanently disabled? But what you're saying, I think I understand, even with permanently disabled, it still means tested when it comes to the idea of disability payments. Well, just the SSI side. Okay. So here's the thing. This whole concept of disability benefits, there are different definitions of disability, air quotes here around disability, 
with different types of programs. And focusing today on Social Security and the relationship to Social Security and becoming disabled, important to remember, Social Security pays monthly cash benefits to individuals who are deemed to be Social Security or to meet Social Security's medical definition of disability. Key thing is you qualify for payments if you've got this medical condition, which is so severe that it prevents you from working at a substantial earnings level. And this year's substantial earnings is defined as making $1,220 or more per month. If you're making more than $1,220 in earnings each month, you're not going to qualify for Social Security disability benefits regardless of your medical condition. So it's the convergence of the medical issue and the fact that it prevents you from working that is important in considering how the Social Security Disability Program operates. Someone, regardless of their medical condition, if they're able to work and earn above that $1,220 figure this year, they're not going to qualify for Social Security Disability benefits because medical condition has not prevented them from working. So again, there are other programs, other definitions of disability with the, the VA, for example, you can be a judge 10, 20, 15% disabled and receive payments. With Social Security, it's basically complete inability to work that's going to entitle you to receive monthly benefits from Social Security. And collecting monthly Social Security cash benefits after you've received payments for two years you then become eligible for Medicare at that point. With Social Security disability, though, no federal health insurance benefits until you've collected payments for, for two years. So it's really important to focus on, again, today's discussion on Social Security and its definition of disability and, and whether you're permanently and totally disabled. You know, that's less important for Social Security purposes than does that prevent you from working? Because if you're able to work, despite your impairment, God love you, you're not going to qualify for Social Security benefits. Yeah, that's a that's a great way of putting it, too. Very, very solid explanation there. We talked about in the monologue earlier about so many kids going back to school, and everybody's all hustling around and getting ready. In fact, 19.9 million students will attend college or universities this year. Now, when we look at that number, there's a number that kind of surfaces as one point, almost $1.5 trillion in student loan debt. Now, if a person, a student, is disabled... Can they, is it possible to have their federal student loan discharged if they're classified as permanently disabled? Beats me, Jim, sorry. That's really a federal student loan issue. I do know that with student loan payments, for example, if someone is collecting Social Security disability benefits and they have outstanding federal student loans, it is possible that part of their Social Security disability benefits will be um, garnished, if you will, to recover those federal student loan payments. But it's important that once someone's collecting, whether it's Social Security, retirement survivor disability benefits, those payments, there's only a limited number of instances where those payments can be um, seized, if you will. Uh, first is in pursuant, pursuant to a legitimate court order for alimony or child support. Um, back federal taxes due and certain other outstanding federal loan payments. But that's it. Somebody cannot have their Social Security payments garnished by 
a credit card company or a retailer or, or things like that. But uh, it is possible in these limited instances, alimony, child support, back due taxes, and outstanding federal debts that someone's Social Security payments can be seized, but that's it. Well, that's that's a great point. Because one of the questions I had, could you could my wages from my income from Social Security be garnished for alimony or child support? You just answered that question. Let's turn the page then. What should I do? And I think this is a normal question for a lot of people. Just yesterday, I'm in a meeting. I see I get a phone number, a call. I, uh, I didn't recognize the number. I should have thought it was a spam call, but I said, well, my wife's out of pocket. Is she calling me from someone else's phone? So I answered the phone. Well, I got this very grave message that my Social Security had been breached and my identity had breached. And now my Social Security, all my benefits were going away. Uh, And, you know, I mean, it was very, very just shocking is how severe it was going to be. And, you know. I know because you and I have talked about that. I backed away. I said, that's amazing how serious they can make it. But what should someone do if they think that they've had their 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 identity stolen or they get that phone call? Should they just ex- just throw it away? Or what do you recommend that someone do from that standpoint? Well, sure. And, and I guess it, it's a couple of different issues here um, on whether or not you feel your identity has been stolen or whether you feel you're going, you're about to be the victim of one of these scam uh, telephone calls, because, and it is a national epidemic these days of people getting these scam social security related phone calls saying that their number has been compromised and yada, 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 and all this stuff. Um, Those are just not uh, legitimate calls by the social security administration. Um, and, and those need to be just ignored. And in fact, you can, whenever, whenever you get one of those calls, you can uh, report that information to the, to the Social Security Administration's um, Office of the Inspector General. Um, and there's a, a, hot, a fraud hotline that, that the Social Security Administration maintains. Um, you can, uh, you know, contact them and, and, uh, and, and report that. But then, the second issue, though, is there are legitimate situations where someone's identity may have been stolen, may have been compromised. Uh, and it's important to note for, for listeners that, you know, the Social Security Administration kind of gets dragged into this because in many cases, it's the individual's Social Security number that gets compromised. But in many, many cases, or in most cases, it has nothing to do with someone collecting Social Security benefits. It's that with the passage of time, the Social Security number has evolved, if you will, pretty much into the, you know, the nation's personal identifier. And so that people provide their Social Security number when they open a bank account, obviously, but then other retailers and things like that. So when someone feels they have been a victim of identity theft, The key contact is at the Federal Trade Commission. This is the federal agency that has overall responsibility for dealing with identity theft issues. Now, if someone has, though, suffered this identity theft and their social security number has been compromised, the good news is, though within the past decade or so, the Social Security Administration has changed its policy so that they will when someone has been um, severely disadvantaged, 
will issue someone a new and different social security number. And uh, generally that process, initiate that with your local social security office. But social security is not going to issue somebody a new number simply if they have lost their wallet, for example, and I lost my social security card and maybe something's happening. Unfortunately, you have to provide documentation that you have been disadvantaged somehow. Someone has misused your social security number. But, but in uh, again, a, recent, a fairly recent policy change, Social Security will um, reissue someone or issue someone a new and different Social Security number. But that isn't the end of it. You then have lots of other steps you have to go through in terms of notifying creditors and all the other people who rely on that Social Security number. But um, it, basically, if you feel you've been a victim of identity theft, Federal Trade Commission, www.ftc. Dot .gov um wealth of information there about the steps you need to go through but they're the folks you should contact first if in the end you discover well social security number has been misused to my disadvantage there are procedures where social security will issue you a um new and different social security number. Well, you're so true when you say that the social security numbers become that personal identifier. That's a great, great statement. I appreciate that. Kurt hey, Zernowski. Jim, while I got you, before I just found uh, the uh, Office of the Inspector General, there's a, an 800 number that we can let listeners know. I just found it. I had forgotten what it was. Go ahead. It's 1-800-269-0271. one Two six nine zero two seven one. That's the Social Security Administration's Office of the Inspector General fraud hotline. And somebody gets one of those scam calls or or uh, things like that. That's the the number that should be used to report that type of incident. Excellent. But don't fall for that. Yeah, that's a great point. We need to be very sensitive to that. And it's an epidemic, as you said. It's a nationwide epidemic of doing that. Kurt, when you come back, we're going to take one more question because I know this one's important to the person that we were talking to. If I get retired, if I'm retired and I'm going to get married again, will that affect my benefits? That's the question. So when we come back, Kurt Zernowski is going to answer one more question. And let me tell you what, folks, it's a wealth of knowledge. I so much appreciate what he does. And by the way, if you want to look at him and his family, go to the Facebook page of KWAM or the Facebook page of Shoemaker Financial. It's a great looking family. All but maybe one. Uh, you know, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Kurt. I love you, man. We'll be back in just a minute with Kurt Zarnowski. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. And this is Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. My guest, Kurt Zarnowski, Zarnowski Consulting, a frequent guest of ours, does a great job talking about Social Security. We kind of got into a little bit about disability and the SSI and the Social Security income payments and, and just did a phenomenal job. If you want to listen to this program again, you can go go to the podcast and do that just to type in Shoemaker Financial at the iTunes store and you'll come right up. And it's uh, frequent. Everybody does that. A lot of people, you got a great listening audience. 
great fan club. I mean, it's amazing that Kurt is known in the Mid-South as the Social Security guy. Kurt, last question for you. If I am retired and I get remarried, will that affect my benefits? My first spouse passed away six years ago, and I'm just, uh, we're getting married, and I've been getting his Social Security. If I get remarried, am I going to lose his Social Security? Great question. Comes up all the time. And with this question, as with many, many, many Social Security-related questions, the correct answer is it depends. Here's the thing. (laughs) Someone's collecting Social Security survivor benefits. Well, way back in the day, if you were collecting benefits as a widow or widower and you remarried, under the law at the time, you lost eligibility to those benefits immediately as soon as you remarried. Now, the good news was you potentially you gain potential eligibility for benefits on your new spouse's record. But what Congress heard from were children of Social Security beneficiaries who had learned, much to the great shock and dismay, that their parents were shacking up down in Florida and other places, living in sin, if you will, not remarrying for fear of losing their Social Security survivor benefits. So about 20 years or so ago, Congress changed the law, which basically says if you're collecting Social Security survivor benefits and you remarry after the age of 60, then you do not lose eligibility for those Social Security survivor benefits. So the key thing is it's when you remarry, as long as you remarry after the age of 60, you're going to continue Social Security survivor benefit eligibility. Now, the good news is, Even though you don't lose survivor benefit eligibility, you potentially gain eligibility on your new spouse's record. Now, keep in mind, as we've said on several times, you collect on one account or the other. You don't collect on both at once. But someone remarries, they become eligible for Social Security spousal benefits. Now, normally there's a one-year duration of marriage requirement that must be met before spousal benefits can be paid. But if at the time the couple marries, both of them are collecting Social Security benefits, well, that one-year duration of marriage requirement is waived, and Social Security then will compare that survivor benefit the individual had been receiving, which is going to be based on 100% of what the deceased's work and earnings were, with spousal benefits, which are now going to be based on 50% of the new spouse's full retirement age amount. So there may be a difference, but You can collect on one or the other, whichever one is higher, but you don't collect both at once. So again, remarriage after the age of 60 does not terminate eligibility to Social Security survivor benefits. Although it's important to remind folks, if you're collecting as a divorced spouse, meaning marriage lasted at least 10 years, you're collecting and your ex is still alive, then remarriage does terminate that eligibility to divorce spousal benefits, even if it occurs after the age of 60. But the question was on survivor benefits, and as long as you remarry after the age of 60, you're not going to lose eligibility. That's a great answer. I mean, it's always very thoroughly put out and easy to understand, Kurt. You do a great job with that. You've been listening to Kurt Zaranowski of Zaranowski Consulting. Thank you, sir. Have a great rest of your summer, and enjoy your family and all those grandkids. Thank you, sir, and we'll talk to you in a couple of months. Okay. 
That's Kurt Zaranowski. We so much appreciate him being a part of the program. We're going to turn the page. We have in the studio with us Ben Taylor, who is the local mission pastor for Bellevue Baptist Church and a frequent guest of ours. And for the past almost 11 11 years, we've been talking about something called Memphis Bellevue loves Memphis, and it's what goes on. And so welcome to the program, sir. Glad to be here, Jim. Thank you. You know, it is Bellevue loves Memphis has been just a, a movement. I mean, mm. it started as a vision from the pastor at Bellevue, and you're in charge of it, and you just saw it begin to reach into the heart of the city mm-hmm. and impact those with different needs. Give me some of what's going on this weekend with Bellevue loves Memphis. Yeah, so this weekend is kind of one of our, what we call our Bellevue Loves Memphis work days. Right now, over, really, they start on tomorrow or Thursday through Sunday, we're going to have about 42 projects all across the city where we're really working with partners across uh, the, the city and um, just trying to find a way to reach in the city, show the love of Christ, meet physical needs, meet spiritual needs, um, all the way from giving a, you know, a bottle of water uh, or helping just, we're doing a concert at Levitt Shell on Sunday night. Uh, just to allow people to come in for free and enjoy a concert just with our right. orchestra. Did you you started you actually engaged from the get go right? You were starting. Were you you were involved as the local mission pastor? I came in about six months six after months it started. After it started. Mm-hmm. So you let's just say from the genesis up, mm-hmm. you've been there. Did you see it as it would be today? Well, it's, it is continually evolving. You know, when we first started, it was it was very much let's just see what we could do, anything and everything. And now, what it has really turned into, where we are actively seeking and looking for strategic partners throughout the city. Anybody can go into a community and try to do a project, clean it up, uh, and then move, go on to the next project. But what we found is, if we're going to really have an impact in our city, it really takes consistent ministry, going back to that same place, same time, working with the same partners, building relationships, and allowing those partners who have access to that community on an ongoing basis to be successful. And we just want to be a part of their plan. We're not trying to to take over or run it. We just want to come alongside them, help them, and encourage them, and help hopefully strengthen what they're doing. So when you talk about helping them strengthen them, you're Mm -hmm. talking about, when you say ministries, I mean, this is um, everything from Arise to Read, which Mm -hmm. we have them on the air frequently. Right. And that's where you're talking about volunteers. Mm-hmm. going into our city schools mm-hmm. and teaching third graders how to read. So that's strengthening that school system. Mm-hmm. Give me some other examples of some things that that you see when you say a work day. Mm-hmm. This is, again, all volunteers, right. just an army of people going out into <clears throat> the city to do something for that day. Because I want to take it from that day, the work day, mm-hmm. and then you said where they're engaging not just one dime with the ministry, mm-hmm. one and done, as we might mm-hmm. use the term. Right, right. But we're really stepping into the shoes mm-hmm. and walking with that ministry. Explain that. Right. So let's just take, for example, we always, in every uh, thing that we do, we try to find those strategic partners. And one of the best partners that we have found all the way across the city are churches. Uh, there are lots of churches in Memphis, over uh, over 2,000 2, evangelical churches in Memphis, uh, which allows us to be able to go in and work uh, along with them and encourage them. So what we do is is we come along them, aside them, and we talk to them, we engage them. They let us know what their needs are, what their mission is, what their vision is for their community. 
we see how we can utilize our skills, our talents, our resources to come alongside them and strengthen them. I'm thinking about Miracle of Redemption uh, Baptist Church over in uh, off of uh, Jackson Avenue on Orchie Road. Uh, they have a strategic way that they're trying to reach their community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This, uh, this coming Sunday, we're going to be a part of what they're doing as an afternoon worship service where there's going to be a cookout, where there's going to be some door-to-door uh, -door just evangelism going through that community, letting people know um, about what the church is doing and just really encouraging them. That's that's what they've asked for, uh, and, and that's what we're trying to help and come alongside them with. When we come back, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I want to talk about some of those success stories sure. like Orchie, like out there. At the, what was the name of the church? Miracle of Redemption. Miracle of mm -hmm. Redemption Church at, at on Orchie Road. I knew yep. Orchie Road immediately. Yep. I knew mm -hmm. what that is. And I think what I want to know is, you know, there's a lot of ministries that go in, and I use the term one and done, but they do a lot, and then they come back and they're gone. Right. You're not talking about just gone. I like the fact that you are partnering, mm -hmm. and the church has really taken a huge step. They actually, the whole, they do a love offering. I want you to explain mm -hmm. this love offering when we come back. Too. Sounds great. Well, if you just tuned in, my guest is Ben Taylor. He is the local missions pastor for Bellevue Baptist Church, and he is uh, the guy that is really, he runs the whole thing. Bellevue loves Memphis with a whole lot of volunteers. How many volunteers, Ben? 4,000? Yeah, well, this uh, this weekend we'll probably have uh, 1,200 volunteers come 1200, out. So. But mm -hmm. they're, they're 4,000 yeah. a year or oh, something yeah, like absolutely. that. I know it's a mm -hmm. huge number. We're going to find out how you can become more involved in reaching out into your city and not be one of those as I talked about earlier, the Good Samaritan, he went and touched and did something and returned and came back where some other people walked by on the other side. We'll talk more about that when we get back. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Memphis native Abe Fortas lived in an era of great challenge in our nation's history. Along the way to becoming a Supreme Court Justice, Fortas worked for the SEC and the Department of the Interior during the Roosevelt administration. He joined the Armed Forces and was honorably discharged in 1945, and he helped found Arnold and Palmer, one of the largest law firms in the world today. But what Fortas is most known for is his elevation of the rights of children during his time on the Supreme Court. In a landmark ruling in 1967, Fortas' majority opinion extended the guarantees of the 14th Amendment regarding the rights to sufficient notice, counsel, the right to confront witnesses, and protection against self-incrimination to juvenile cases. This expanded a decision rendered the previous year which abolished the parental status of the states and required them to provide children accused of a crime with an opportunity to make a defense which forever changed the juvenile justice system. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. 
Welcome back. I'm talking with the local missions pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church. We're talking specifically about what's going on this weekend in our great city. It's called Bellevue Loves Memphis. Now, it's a cooperative effort of not just Bellevue, and I don't want anybody to get that impression. It's where they are reaching out to the community and partnering with multiple ministries. In fact, we were talking about the miracle of Redemption Church on Orchie Road and how that church had said, this is what we need. And Ben, you'd said that you were going to be there doing a cookout. You know, you're just ministering to people, but also doing some uh, door-to-door evangelism for that church as they just, you know, Bellevue can put together a pretty good-sized army. Right, and I would even say, you know, even better than for that church, with that church. With that church. Because that is is really a key to everything that we do, a partnership, really really just trying to buy in and say, you know what, we can do more together. Uh, And so when we come along with them, it's not just our volunteers going out, it's actually our volunteers with their volunteers partnering together to make a difference in that community. And uh, it's just an awesome opportunity. Well, I, I appreciate the fact that Steve Gaines and Donna Gaines, and Donna being a local Memphis girl, right. you know, from when she was here as a child and as a teenager, the reality is this is, they saw the vision of reaching into our city, touching our city. Mm-hmm. And as I said earlier, I talked about the Good Samaritan, the parable that the Lord is telling to the individual, the lawyer, and he's talking about how what I must I do to be saved. He says, love God, love people. You know, you know mm. the whole idea behind loving God with all your heart and your mind, right. but also loving your neighbor That's right. as if you're loving yourself. And mm. so the parable really talks about reaching out and touching mm. and doing, and that's what the Samaritan does to right. the guy who's hurt on the side of the mm. road. Two people walk by, a priest and a Levite walk by and mm. said, I'm too busy. And we have a tendency to say we're too busy. But right. this is a program that you can pretty much choose how to work into your schedule. Right, exactly right. We have partnerships uh, where you could get involved on a weekly basis, going every week to the same place, uh, just investing in that community, that ministry, on an ongoing basis. We have our Bellevue Loves Memphis Workdays that uh, our Ross McGregor helps lead up and really heads up and make sure that we have those um, uh, in all those projects really available for us on those quarterly work days. Uh, and, but then you have everything in between every, every week, once a month, whatever you have. Um, it's just an amazing opportunity to whatever your time allows. And also families, you know, a lot of times, you know, we, we kind of limit ourselves based on what stage of life we're in when it comes to ministry. We have everything from uh, that, everything from somebody that has a baby in a stroller can do uh, to senior adults can do. And so there's just an awesome opportunity for the whole entire family to get involved in every member of our church. Engaging each other back to helping our neighbor. Exactly right. That's yep. so critical what we're talking about here. Now, Miracle of Redemption Church, I appreciate what you said, where Bobby's not doing something for, they're doing it with. Right. Give me some of the success stories that you know that, I mean, where you can look back over this 11 year Mm -hmm. window of of working and developing, because I think everybody wants to know, well, tell me something that's really happened. Right. I think that when a lot of times we look from our perspective, we look at success in two different ways. One, are we mobilizing Bellevue members into to go into the community to to be a gospel presence wherever they go? And number two, are those partners that we're working with um, being strengthened as we go along? Uh, and I just think of people like Dana and Cassie Leak, who over the years, they went to a Bellevue Los Memphis project uh, at Tulane Apartment back when it was open and um, and the Lord just struck them and made a difference in their life and gave them a burden for that community and for the next five years until those apartments closed, 
they were in that community on a weekly basis so, doing so children's what you, ministries. What you're talking about children's ministries. What mm-hmm. she's talking about is by the opportunity given with a Bevulos Memphis. Right. This couple was burdened mm-hmm. and saw where they could make a difference with their neighbor, and mm-hmm. that's what they chose as that ongoing process. Right, right. Uh, a one-time event led to a five-year ministry where they saw many people come to know the Lord, many people get helped uh, in uh, financial situations and, and just encouraged and blessed. And it all started with that one-time event. And that's what we really believe, that Bellevue Loves Memphis Workdays are just the beginning. They'll lead uh, people to engage the community in a real way. And then I believe the Holy Spirit will just move in their life to where they have to go back. It's just not enough. <laughs> it's not a, It's not enough. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Why do people hesitate? Because I know you sense mm-hmm. that as working with people, as you've engaged and talked to people. Mm-hmm. Why, why do people hesitate to embrace their neighbor, embrace? I mean, you know, some people yeah. say, well, I got to get my hands dirty. Yes, yeah. you do. Right. Why is that? What do you sense that? I think a lot of it is comfort level uh, and it's just messy. Anytime that you walk into relationship with anybody, they even think about your best friend. If you're engaging in their life at some point, their life is going to get messy. Uh, and they, but because you have a relationship with them, you're going to walk through that mess with them. And when we want to do that with our neighbors, when we enter into their world, I say it this way, when we enter into their mess, their mess becomes our mess. And so what we have to do is be willing and open to say, you know what, God has called me to be more than just about myself, but to be others focused. And so as I'm others focused, I'm going to be willing to be open to entering into new relationships and then actually making better and stronger relationships with my neighbors, with the people across the city, um, and sometimes it's just people across the street. Yeah, that's the key right mm-hmm. there. When you think about that, I <clears> guess <throat> what we, we have a tendency to do is church people. Right. We we want to be, well, I'm at church now. I, I want the music to be just right. right. I want my hymn book or whatever. I'm just perfect. I want the lighting to be just perfect. Mm-hmm. And everybody, I want to be me. You take care of me. Right. But church is really not called to do that. No, churches is all about others focused. Jesus calls us to put others above ourselves. And when we do that, we're going to see his mission fulfilled all across all across the world. Uh, and that's where I think we sometimes as the American church, we, we go to church wanting to be sometimes entertained, poured into, uh, really just taken care of when we go to church. But we need to understand what our pastor says all the time, that church is really just a filling station for you to be filled up so that you can go back out and spend spend those resources back out. One of the things that happened last year, you mentioned resources. Mm. The, the, last <clears throat> year, we do at church, I know that Bellevue does a, a love offering right. every year. Last year, the love offering was dedicated to loving Memphis like it matters. Right. Tell us about that. Yeah, so last year, the Lord laid on the heart of our leadership that um, this year, instead of our love offering going towards maybe uh, building renovations or other capital projects uh, that we ha- that are needed around our building, um, they said we want to give every penny of it to our local missions ministry underneath this theme of loving Memphis like it matters. In many ways, it's putting let me, our— Let me stop you yep, because I want to sure. make sure. You said every— Penny. Every penny. What does that mean? Because a lot so, of people say, okay, let me make sure I understand what every penny. There's two, $2 come off the top right, or right. $2,000. was every penny? So, and I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, you're fine. You're yeah. right on target, but I want everybody to get that. Sure. So uh, every penny that our members gave this love offering, which is above and beyond our normal tithe, uh, $1.8 million is going into the community in some form or fashion. So 
every nickel of this love offering, the $1.8 million, mm. didn't get dispersed to some minister out there to do mm. this or do this. That's all part of the tithe of the church. Right. $1.8 million was put back in the city. That's exactly right. That, that, to me, makes a difference when you start looking at where that dollar is. Mm. Now, you partnered with, I mean, I'm looking here on this list, there's probably 30 different partners, mm. and you did that purposely for the strategic needs they had? Yep. Talk about why you chose different ministries. Sure. As we began to walk through and figure out how we could utilize this money, because we the responsibility of stewarding that, that much money uh, was really uh, just a, a big burden for us. And so what we were able to do uh, is really um, look at four what we call community pillars, uh, the church, parachurch organizations, uh, education, and economic development. And as we looked at those four pillars, we said, are there partners in each one of those areas that we can come alongside and be a part of utilizing these funds to strengthen what they're doing uh, in and around the community of Memphis? And so that, those partners thus far, and we're still in the process thus far, we've had 13, 14 um, uh, partners come alongside and utilize some of these funds uh, in order to strengthen what they're doing. But here's the key. It's not just writing a check. It's writing a check that will then be utilized by our members going and engaging in that community in a, a consistent you basis. You talk about it again, coming alongside, right. not doing something for somebody, right. writing a check, here's your money. Just coming alongside and mm -hmm. strengthening them, strategically helping them, mm -hmm. helping them focus. What's the future? I think the future is um, really going deeper in the relationships with our partners. I think these, uh, this opportunity with our love offering is is allowing us to become better partners. It's not just a project, but we're saying we want to invest in what you're doing. Uh, it's been awesome. Our local missions director, uh, Sierra Craddock, she has been going out and just really making new relationships, strengthening current uh, relationships so that we can better understand their needs and so that we can hopefully better come alongside them and utilize uh, uh, what God has given us to, to be a part of their team and their mission. If you want to touch base with, you know, and get involved with this ministry and talk to Ben Taylor, you can call Ben. It's easy to do that at 347-5530. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. And just get more out of Ben, talk to him, get some more insight. But definitely go to Bell, basically go to Bellevue.org, to Bellevue Loves Memphis, mm -hmm. and uh, you can get information there. Right. That would help people understand. Ben, at the end of the day, you put all this back in the box. What's the impact for the city that you see? Mm -hmm. What do you want everybody to know? What we want our folks to do and what we want everybody to know is we want to, to really encourage our people to walk in one-on-one -on -one relationships with people. Uh, we believe that money, we believe that programs are not going to fix the issues that face Memphis, those challenges and opportunities that we so often discuss. Uh, we look at the, the idea of generational poverty. You know, we are the third uh, poorest city in the nation uh, in so many different ways. Um, number two in childhood poverty. And when we look at that and we see how we can come alongside each an individual and make a difference, if we see one family come out of the cycle of generational poverty, that's going to change the trajectory of that family for generations to come. And we believe that one family at a time, one person at a time, that the gospel can make that type of difference in somebody's life. Amen. Well, that's so great. I appreciate that. That's Bellevue Loves Memphis, and the, the big program is Loving Memphis Like It Matters. You've been listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. My guest earlier, Kurt Zanowski, and we've been talking to Ben 
Ben Taylor, the light of the local missions pastor at Bellevue Baptist Church. If you have a question for Ben, you can call him at 347-5530 or go online to Bellevue.org to Bellevue Loves Memphis, and you can find out more there. Thank you so much, sir, for being here. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Uh, we'll do it again. I want just yeah. more interesting about what you're doing, Sounds and I appreciate great. so much what the church is doing. We hope you've enjoyed today's program. As always, thanks so much for listening. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's program on podcast and past programs, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. Be sure to like us on Facebook. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Thanks so much for listening. This is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Money, money.